right, so what we want to do is pick right up, and um, we want to pick up a new phase of the stewardship topic that we've been discussing here now for the last couple of weeks. We had a change of pace last week, but we feel like it's, it's time to come back and revisit the stewardship topic. And this time, we want to take this phase and the focus of finances. And it's something that obviously is pretty important. Um, it's important on so many different levels. But um, for us as believers, um, there's a real spiritual element to dealing with finances, and especially when it, in terms of stewardship. Um, we know that in the, in the Word that Jesus mentions finances much more than any other topic that he teaches on. Uh, so there's a direct correlation to our spiritual health and what's going on uh, with our finances. And so, again, we want to visit this topic and, um, and jump right in. What do you got there, brother? Well, brother, it's very interesting how many times we can forget about how life in general is included in stewardship. And at the same time, if we're not careful, we could even get so focused on the fact that we need to be focused on our family, focused on our job, that we could forget about the finances. And sometimes that'll bite you in the butt. Okay, let me change that. It'll always bite you in the butt. I mean, I'm sure many of us have war stories about how we've had to fight tooth and nail to get our finances back in order because, think about it, as a teenager, very few of us were very good stewards of our finances. We were more concerned about having fun than making sure that we had money for college or making sure that we had enough money for our future. Now, there's some people that have all of that in line from a very young age. That's just their gifting. It's like God gave them a sixth sense in that area. But many of the mm -hmm. rest of us, we have had to fight through it, had to fight through our flesh, our desires, our will, our emotions, you know, the wants of this world. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know, Dre, have you ever had to deal with that? I know I have. Big time. Big time. I'll tell you one thing that is really important. Again, we're talking about stewardship and finances. And so the idea of stewardship, again, is that we're not owners. We're, we're not owners of this thing. And I think our big struggle a lot of times when it comes to money is that we look at ourselves as owners of this thing, and we're not. We're, we're literally, everything that we have is loaned to us by God, our, our families, our health, and and our finances, our bodies themselves, our temples, his temple. Um, and so when it comes to thinking about money, I think our, our mindset needs to change in order for us to look at this the way God looks at it. And if we look at our finances as something that one way that we can, another way that we can serve God, that, that's huge. The other thing that's real important is that it really links back to a heart issue. You know, the Bible says that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And so Jesus makes a direct correlation to our, our treasure and our heart. And so when it comes down to tithes, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of teaching out there. Some that gets off on, on one side and some gets off on another side. One says that, you know, as New Testament believers, we, are, we have that basic uh, law to tithe, that we're basically under law to tithe. And, you know, and then there's the other camp that says, well, you know, you don't have to give anything because we're under grace. Well, the, the truth that lies somewhere in between that 
and that, yeah, there's not a law in the New Testament for us to tithe, but because we're under grace, it actually, grace compels us to give more of ourselves. The New Testament believers, they gave, they had, a, they gave everything that they had. They, they shared everything in common. And, and so grace actually pushed them to do more. Um, and so I think that what's important is that we recognize that it's not an obligation, but it does go back to a hard issue, that if our lives have been changed by the gospel, our lives have been changed by um, what, what Christ has done for us, his sacrifice for us, and we should be even more. We should be the most given people on the face of the earth, recognizing That's that. That's good. And I'd just like to kind of stick right in there. You know, when Christ was still on this earth, before he died and rose again, he actually at one point sat at the temple and watched people giving money. Now, I'm going to pause and I'll chase a quick rabbit. Think about it if your pastors sat at the offering plate and watched as you put money in. Think about it. Would that make you comfortable? Probably not. But that's what Jesus did. He sat and watched people putting money into the offering plate. Probably everybody was either used to it or felt very uncomfortable, whatever the culture was at this point. But he was watching. And as he watched, a little widow came up and put two mites in, which was almost, it was almost nothing. It was almost like if someone took, put two pennies in. We think, yeah, well, it's not even worth picking off the ground. And Jesus said, hey, this lady has put in more than everybody else. And they were astonished. But it comes right back to the very principle you just spoke of. It was about the heart. She gave everything that she had. And she knew it may not be much. But she knew that little that she had would be better spent in her eternal place than it would be here on earth. And so out of the abundance that she had, she gave everything that she had, showing her heart fully turned to God. And that's one area I think that we, and I think that's one area that we struggle in many times. We think to ourselves when the pastor gives an offering call, oh, please don't look at me. Don't, you know, and he's like, well, just ask the Lord. Oh, I don't want to ask the Lord enough. He may ask me to give everything. Why? Why are we so worried about it? You kind of hinted on this earlier, but the word says that really everything belongs to God. Everything in this earth belongs to God. Us, our finances, Everything in abundance here, all of it is, it belongs to God. It is his property. The very fact that we are allowed to keep 90% of it should be a whoa. I mean, what owner does that? You know what I mean? I mean, how, you or I, could we even survive off of 10% of the earnings that our employees brought in? That's incredible. God allows us. You know he allows us to hold on ahead, to bro. the majority. Go right ahead, man. Yeah, that, that's good. That's good. And I think that one of the things that is a principle here is that our willingness to release the 10%, and again, not based off of law, but our willingness to release that 10%, that tithe, and recognize God with the first fruits of our labor, it shows that we recognize that he's owner of the 100%. And at the 90% as well, we're, we're literally giving over to his hand. If we're giving over that 10%, we're recognizing saying, God, I recognize that I couldn't have got up this morning and went to work if it wasn't for you. I recognize that if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have the intellect 
to work out the problems that I face on a daily basis. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have had the strength to go out there and, and, and make this money. But recognizing that this all came from him, and it's a heart issue. It just shows that we have a grateful heart, that we're recognizing that he is the giver of all things, and we give it back to him just to say, I recognize this is from you. And so, it, it again, it correlates to that heart issue. What's going on in our heart? And I'm going to be, this is a transparent moment right here. This is one of the things that, in my Christian walk, probably one of the things that I struggle with the most is the tithe. There's certain times where I've been very faithful in the tithe, and there's other times where I've been very unfaithful with the tithe. And, again, going back to it, this is not a law issue. And if you aren't giving your tithe, this is not a time for us to heap condemnation upon you. We don't want that to be what we're communicating. What I will say is, is that if you haven't been, that you're just missing out on a blessing. It's not a, it's not a curse. We're not under a curse now where you'll be cursed if you don't. But you are going to miss out on a blessing if you don't. And so I think it's important that we start to recognize God with our tithe. If we, if we truly believe we've been forgiven of all our sins, that we had a great debt that we owed, then we should, we should have a giving heart. And even, you know, Paul said in one of the letters, said that I don't want you giving this thing grudgingly. I don't want you giving it with hand twisting and, and you know, your arm behind your back kind of thing. No, we, we're supposed to give this thing joyfully, gratefully. We go into the house of the Lord. We prepare it before we even get to the house of the Lord. And we say, Lord, in my heart, before I even get this check, that first thing is, is yours. And he wants us to do it with joy because God takes pleasure in a, a cheerful giver. So, again, it's recognizing yeah, it's where this all came from. Not ours. And, Go ahead, bro. What do you got to add to it? I mean, man, you hit it right on the nose there. This is not meant to be a message of condemnation in any way, form, or fashion. All of us have had our moments where we've given and where we haven't given, at least everybody that I know. I even know some people that when they didn't have enough, that they said, Lord, I want to give, but I just don't have the money. So they would just start giving like 1%. Then they would raise it to 2%. And then next thing you know, they're 3%. And then they went to their 10%. Now they're even above that 10%. And I want to tell you something that's amazing. I mean, because we walked through a period of our lives to where we were not tithing. And no, there was no magical curse. There is no magical curse that comes and curses your tithe, your money because you don't tithe. That's not what happens. The word says that he will rebuke the devourer for your sake if you tithe. Test him in this thing. This is the only area of our lives that we're allowed to test God. It says that we can test him in the tithes and the offerings. So the finances are the only place that he gives permission for us to test. Now, while we are giving the tithes and offerings, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, the amazing thing is, is when you think you don't have the money to give miraculously, for some reason, the bills start to work. Things start hey. to be able to be paid. You know, I mean, I've had moments that were very tight, but it's like, how did I pay my bills? Still yeah. eat this week. You know, yeah. how did that happen? Well, yeah. the word says that he rebukes the devourer for your sake. Now, it doesn't mean that yeah. you're not going to have to crank down. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have to be a good steward of those finances. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have to cut off that extra $150 a month on your cable bill that you didn't need in the first place so that you can pay off your debt. There you go. 
You know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have to do practical things as part of the stewardship because, Mm -hmm. and I hate to say it, but in our American culture, we have gotten this attitude to where we're entitled to everything and we should not. We are not entitled to everything just because. We are still required to be good stewards of our finances until we can afford the luxuries of life. Think about it, Andre. When your mom and dad, you know, started getting nice things, you started seeing those, you and I, I'm sure, both had the same thought. Man, when I get married, I'm going to go have all this nice stuff. I'm going to have this nice couch, this nice TV. But what we don't see as kids or even as young people is they started out with nothing, and they worked up to the something. However, you became aware of the something when you have the nothing and you think that you're going to walk in from nothing to something, but you have to walk through that walk, that path, that trial time so that you can be tried by fire. I mean, I can't remember the scripture reference off the top of my head, but it talks about how the wealth that is acquired quickly will be lost suddenly. Yes, that's in Proverbs. And the word. And. And I don't, I don't remember the exact reference, but the thing is, is they, it is so wise because any time that you quickly acquire something, you, there's no possible way for you to hold on to it normally. I'm not going to say yeah. never because there are some people that they're by nature good stewards. They're believers. Some of them are not believers, but they have the principles in place and they follow them. But mm-hmm. on a normal basis, if you acquire something quickly, you're going to lose it quickly. The proof of the pudding in that is look at all these lottery winners. Almost none of them yeah. end up in a good situation. Almost every one of them yeah. loses everything. And there's, a, there's also a good example of that. You have people who work for their money, they acquire great fortune, and they have their kids who have a silver spoon in their mouth. They pass it on to them, and they squander it. But they're not equipped because they haven't gone through the same crucible of life, uh, they haven't been tried by fire, and so they're not able to manage money well. You, you said so much just now, and, and I want to go. I want to give a shout out to my pastor, Pastor Jeff over here in Burleson, Texas. He used a reference this week, and I thought it was great. I don't know how many people here uh, remember the uh, the cartoon Popeye, and in Popeye you had this um, character. His name was Wimpy, and so Wimpy had this philosophy that he's like, you know. Hey, if you give me a hamburger today, I'll pay you tomorrow. If you give me a hamburger today, I'll pay you tomorrow. And so he has this this idea of what he wants to do is consume something today and pay for it tomorrow. And it goes right back to what you were just saying, is that we want what we want now, and then we'll pay for it later. And so we're, we're consuming things now that we have to pay for on credit later. You can't even fully enjoy what you're eating now because you're going to be paying for it later. You're always constantly in the back of your mind thinking, this vacation is going to cost me an arm and a leg, and I have to get oh, back to come on. this thing. And, you know, this, this, um, this night out on the town with my wife is going to cost me so much when I have to go back and pay for this thing. You know, these Christmas presents, you can't even give it with joy because you're thinking about how much you have to pay on the back end. And, and that's been our philosophy. So my pastor says, don't be like Wimpy. You know, what we have to do is, some of it is just being real with ourselves and saying, you know what, let's hold back and we truly don't need to eat out right now. Why don't we get some hot dogs and some beans and we make it at home and we watch a movie with the kids? And the truth be told, the kids would be just as happy doing that as they would with going out to the movies because you can watch something on, on DVD and from Redbox and it's just fine. And so some of it is just us being good stewards and recognizing that 
we can delay our gratification. You know, our life doesn't consist in the abundance of things that we have. And that none of that stuff truly makes you happy. If you think about the last new car that you got, eventually that car becomes old and you want another one. And so we're trying to put our hopes and our dreams in these material things that they get old. It wears out. You need another one. You need to replace things. So what we need to do is have a little bit of delayed gratification, recognizing that these things, we don't put our hope in these things. We put our hope in eternal things, the, the things that God has set before us. And those are the true riches that, that we need to be focused on. So, and again, the Bible says that riches take wings like eagles and they fly away, just like you were saying. And you can't hold it's on it. to it. It slips right through your hands, putting our trust in the wrong thing. Guys, we never want to wrap up our calls without giving you the opportunity to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9-10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified, and with your mouth one confesses and is saved. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please pray this prayer after me. Lord, I thank you that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe that you are the Son of God, and I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. Friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, you are saved, and we are so excited and would love to hear from you. At the same time, the next step for you is to get involved and planted in a good Bible teaching church. This will help you grow and learn about the wonderful life God has for you. We would also like to invite each and every one of you to check out our ministry page. You can do this by going to mooseministriesinc.com. Here you'll find links to connect with us, read our blog, and keep track of our different projects as we take this adventure in spreading the gospel. God bless.